This is the Roaring Elephant podcast for the 27th of August 2019. And today we're going to talk about the most interesting, most mysterious thing out there ever invented. No sequel. Right? Hi, Dave. You there? But, but why would you define something by something that it's not? Hey? It's just uh, that's strange. part of the mysticism around it. That's the whole idea. It's like uh, today I'm Yon, and yesterday I was no Yon. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Does that make me no Dave? I don't know. How are you feeling today? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I feel okay. I feel like I could be Dave today. <laughs> well, as long as you're not anti Dave, I'm happy. Indeed. Anyway, so um, it's it, in our attempt to debunk. Okay, YouTube. Please subscribe, <laughs> like, hit the notification bell. Yeah, we're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting close to 80 subscribers there, guys. So come on. One last oomph. And we should get there before the end of the summer, which is in two days, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry for derailing you there. You were talking about no sequel, I think. I was. I was. So this, this thing that is not sequel, um, this mystical, wondrous thing that is sometimes a key part of other, of people's environments, sometimes is not. Um, tell us about it. Give me a give me a quick intro to all of this this stuff that is not sequel. Well, what do you do when you want to want to know what something is? You go to Wikipedia, right? And of course. That's exactly what I did. And they have a nice intro thing there. And I thought it was kind of fun to go through the little uh, the sentences there. So the first thing they say is a NoSQL, originally referring to non-SQL or non-relational database, provides a mechanism for storage and retrieval of data that is modeled in means other than tabular relations used in relational databases. And if that doesn't mean anything to you, then you're not alone. <laughs> <laughs> but So in the, the thing to understand from this is that it is a database of sorts. Yes, it's a storage mechanism for easy and quick data retrieval and searches. And the main thing in that sentence was the relational database and the tabular relations used. So NoSQL is still a database, still a table, still a lookup kind of mechanism, but it does not use relations. And that's the biggest difference between them. Now it goes on a little bit uh, saying that they've existed since the late 1960s but didn't obtain the NoSQL moniker until after a certain popularity in the early 21st century triggered by the needs of Web 2.0 companies and that's also an interesting thing. NoSQL has been around for a while. A lot of people will tell you it's only been around for a couple of uh, years, maybe a decade. No, it's a lot older than that. And uh, now I do think uh, Web 2.0 was indeed one of the driving factors behind it. We'll see in more detail why that is so quick and dirty uh, summation, uh, SQL is just too slow to really capture high concurrency, high speed velocity traffic. NoSQL is better at that. And that was one of the reasons that NoSQL kind of got, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, popular in this space. Um, they also talk about that real-time web applications, as I just said. And also importantly is that no sequel doesn't really mean not a sequel, but not only sequel. And that's a bit of the pol- politically correctness, I guess, of these uh, these ages. <laughs> Where, as you said, a negativism is bad. Well, it's not no sequel. It's not only sequel, but yep. it is an important thing because it. As often, I mean, we've been talking about Hadoop and big data situations a long time now, and it's never a either or, this or that. It's never the one thing that does everything. It's always the combination, the the the, the, the summation of everything, getting bigger than the, some of its parts and stuff like that. You will use NoSQL where it's interesting, and it'll usually 
almost always be accompanied with a SQL solution in there as well. So what do you think of that Wikipedia definition? You, you liking it? <laughs> I think it's pretty good. I think it covers the it covers the basics and it uh, tells you where it came from. And uh, yeah, I like it. Yeah, but the page is a lot longer, of course. But uh, if you're just going to start reading the Wikipedia page, then we should... Well, we could do audiobooks on Audible, on Audible then. But <laughs> hey, that's our next gig. Don't don't let that cat out of the bag. <laughs> okay, you do the bedtime stories. I'll do the wake up stuff. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> and by the way, for people who uh, read the uh, title of this episode, um, it's a it's a reference to something. If you get the reference, do a tweet about it. Right. So, um, next question I wanted to ask us ourselves is why did it get invented? Why did NoSQL come around? Who wants it? Who hates it? Who doesn't care? Want to take a stab at that? Well, I mean, you hinted towards it earlier. Mm -hmm. It it came about really due to the sheer scale of a lot of these Web 2.0 companies that were pushing some sort of uh, data and needing to query some sort of data very, very quickly um, in certain systems. And you know, one of the systems that springs to mind is, you know, ad systems. So things that where you've got some sort of information um, that a particular um, web page is required to render and you want to make a decision as to what it is that you want to put into that particular page very, very quickly. Obviously, you don't want to... Uh, you know, a user hanging around while they're waiting for the, some back-end system to decide what's, what information to put there. So uh, a query against a NoSQL system is very fast and allows you to kind of get that data there. So for me, it's it's all about the, the speed of response for relatively, relatively simple queries, yeah. should we say. Yeah, it's a very important part. We'll go in more depth on that in a minute. And uh, who hates it? I mean... People have to operate it at scale, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, that kind of depends what flavor you're using, I'm, I guess. I mean, some of these solutions are more mature and more polished than others. But I was more thinking yep. about if you're looking at making reporting on your financial data and stuff like that, NoSQL usually is not used for that kind of statistical reporting and stuff. Yeah, so it's, it's, just not, it's just not designed for that kind of use case by yeah, and large. Exactly. Now, I do have another theory behind this, actually, about why NoSQL got invented, and that's a bit to do with the whole um, DevOps operations, uh, system admins and developers getting closer together. And uh, a long time ago, when the trees were still talking and elves flew among them, you had database administrators who owned the data. And if you as a developer wanted to have access to a new column, a new variable, something in the database, it took ages for that Oracle guy to change it. Sorry, Oracle, don't want to piss on you. But the, the, the database administrators, I used to be a programmer in those early days, and we didn't like those guys. So when developers and DevOps kind of came together a bit, we kind of seized the power. Because we'll talk about that uh, a bit more detail but later as well, but NoSQL is a lot closer to the developer than it is to a real database administrator. There is no real database administrator administrating a database because NoSQL databases are usually single use case. They're very close to the application that's consuming them, where a SQL yep. database is much more... Let's take all the data, make it available for everybody, a lot more flexible, a lot more, I don't know, 
a lot more use cases can land on the same database. So you had a central person that made sure that that database ran well, was uh, stable, fast, uh, reliable, backed up and stuff like that. And I don't know. I mean, nobody ever said I was right in that, but I still have a feeling that developers at a certain point got fed up with database administrators being non-cooperative, to say it uh, between air quotes, and uh, took matters in their own hands and invented something they could do themselves. Well, it doesn't uh, put it this way. It, I don't think that it, uh, it it flies in the face of the facts, does it? It aligns fairly <laughs> tightly with with the reality out there. Whether that's the actual, whether it's an actual cause or not, I mean, it's it's difficult to say for sure. The the the, the truth is lost in the mists of time. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, it always gives me a good feeling to be the, the fighter for freedom of data. Uh, something <laughs> like that, I, can't, I don't know. <laughs> so, I mean, when we start, when we talk about NoSQL systems, there are there are a lot of them out there. Um, there's, in fact, some of the systems out there were, are sort of they fit into different categories. And I think rather than go into like the list of systems, I think we should perhaps talk about. Um, cap theory first. Well, as I put so, a note in a little prep document, Dave can do the cap theory. Yeah. <laughs> so, what do we mean by by cap theorem? So, what we're talking about with with this is that there are, are effectively three different um, what would you call them? Not functions. Three different priorities. Um, yeah, maybe. It's three different groupings when you're talking about any sort of database system. So one is consistency, one is partition tolerance, and one is availability. Um, now, I want the, all three. the theory... Yeah, well, the, so the theory is that um, these intersect, but only in such a way that systems can either... can have, you know, two, one of... Sorry, two out of the three of any of these... Um, I won't say considerations, but that's not the right word. Maybe the right word will come to you by the end of this this uh, this bit. Anyway, so the first one is um, is partition tolerance. So this means sort of when you're talking about um, a, a, a particular system, despite the number of of, syst- uh, of um, messages that are being um, pushed onto a system, any sort of particular node. Um, can fail and the system will continue to uh, to run to operate as as normal. Um, so the the data records are sufficiently replicated across the nodes and networks to keep the system up. So that all sounds good. The second one is uh, high consistency, and that is that uh, all nodes see the same data at the same time. So putting a um, a read option uh, on a system will return the most sort of recent write opera- operation across all the nodes. So you know you'll get the same answer from from all nodes at the same time. So again, all sounds like a, an excellent uh, sort of function to have on a on a system like this that we're querying. And then the the third. Um, piece of cap theorem is high availability, and this is where we uh, we we talk about the fact that a um, a system or the system remains one hundred percent operational all of the time. Um, you can either submit read or write commands, or you cannot. If you cannot, then it is not available. 
So these things all sound like things that you would expect from from any system, surely. Um, But actually, that's not quite uh, the case. Um, You might have a a, a position where you have a system that is, and let me switch to a different view, uh, a a system that is, you know, both available, so every client can, can always read and write, and the system works well despite any uh, physical network partitions being down. And those are things like, uh, so that's an AP system. So that would be something like uh, DynamoDB or Cassandra or uh, SimpleDB or CouchDB. Um, you have um, systems that are AC, so um Availability, each client can always read and write, and all clients have the uh, same view of the data. So that's a, a CA system or AC system. So that's you know a typical RDBMS uh, fits into that category. So that is a SQL system, other than the NoSQL system, so MySQL, Postgres, all that sort of stuff. But also things like um, uh, Greenplum and, uh, and even Vertica fit into those categories. And then you've got um, CP systems, so consistency and partition tolerance. And this is where you'll see more of the more commonly known um, NoSQL environments. So you've got a big table, HBase, MongoDB, um, MemcacheDB, Redis, um, and they, they all fit into that category. So it's it's kind of a it's a, it's a way of deciding if you think you need a NoSQL system um it's a way of deciding which system sort of would you choose um, you know, you've got these different um properties i guess of the systems um and you know given that any one system can only have two of these properties um it's it's a way of of deciding which technology might be the best fit for your particular application given the um sort of the the, the information that you or the way that you want your application to perform with this data source yeah, I've been looking at the Wikipedia, obviously, and they call it guarantees, the three guarantees that the database system can give you, which kind of makes sense. Now, um, obviously, I can just buy the one that has all three, right? Because every vendor out there says they have all three. Yeah, lies, lies, <laughs> damn lies, and marketing. Yeah, typically they'll have two. They would usually have. If they, if they don't have two, then you should look further on, I guess. And usually, <laughs> yeah. they have some way of mitigating the the, the, the third one's yeah. effects yeah. as much as possible. But having all three, if any database existed that had all three, all other databases would kind of disappear. Indeed. That's just what it is. It's uh, it's it's against the laws of physics, as uh, Scotty would say, to have all three in one uh, space-time continuum, I guess. <laughs> sure. Pass me the dilithium crystals. <laughs> all right. So, um, let's maybe talk about uh, the differences are there, because you talked about the cap theory there. Now, what happens if you just compare two things, and when you try to work with these uh, NoSQL databases compared to a SQL database, how will you think differently about it? So, I mean, typically, when, when something on an early project starts, people will usually have 
a SQL data source that they will go, okay, this is the this is the data that we want to use. We know that we've got to do something to it to make it uh, suitable for NoSQL. And that that sort of what that conversion, if you like, is uh, is essentially denormalizing. Mm-hmm. So you'll you'll go through you know a traditional relational SQL source, you'll have a number of different tables that to get the whole picture of a particular uh, element in that you would join all of the tables together and then you've got you would get a big long row that would be all of the information that was relevant to that particular item uh, and essentially that's what you have to do for the entire um, sort of database of information that you're storing so denormalizing is the, the the step of converting lots of different separate tables into one big flat table put you know relatively crudely um, as you might think, um, you know the, the one of the benefits of a, of a SQL sort of method where you have multiple different smaller tables is that that's quite a, uh, a space efficient uh, and cheap way to do that. Denormalizing the data um, all of a sudden makes the data bloat out very very significantly. I don't have any numbers to mind. I don't know if you do, Jan, but I think it, it it's a it's usually a very very significant increase now. Being said, it's also, um, you know, usually these systems are on the scale-out end of things, and therefore usually um, they're operating at significantly lower cost than the traditional RDBMS systems. So you might actually be surprised that the sort of the the TCO of the systems is actually not all that different. Yeah, I mean, these days storage is cheap. Uh, 20 years ago, storage was very expensive, and it makes sense to yeah. optimize it as much as possible. But these days, hard disks, SSDs, even NVMe RAM, or in-memory databases, memory chips are still expensive, but it's a lot less than it used to be. And simple disk storage is just so cheap that that really in TCO costs doesn't really matter that much anymore. But you're right. Yeah. I mean, it really can become a factor of magnitude bigger. Uh, I've seen, it's hard to give a, a, a hard and fast number because it's very dependent on the data source you have and how much normalization was possible in the first place. But having a 10x or 100x uh, space is quite possible and would not surprise me that much. Yeah. Um, now, apart from the uh, space uh, optimization, another reason to do normalize stuff is it makes <clears throat> excuse me, updating your data a lot easier if you have products and products have uh, uh, wholesalers with uh, addresses attached to it and you have 100,000 articles coming from that wholesaler you want to have to change his address. In a SQL database, that's one record update because all of the products are linked through relationship yep. to that uh, delivery, to that um, wholesaler. In a NoSQL database, every single product row will have the full address of that wholesaler in it. So you'll have to update 100,000 rows. Typically, in NoSQL environments, you don't update records. They're typically a result of a uh, dump export from the SQL database, and when something like that has to happen, you just re-export the whole thing again. Mm-hmm. It usually goes faster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but another thing to realize here is that because you're going to denormalize everything and you still want to optimize stuff and not have stuff in your uh, data store that you don't really need, you will probably make a NoSQL store specific for the use case you're working on. If you're going to do a query which requires things like product, product name, 
and wholesaler name but not his address, you will not include the address in that NoSQL database because that saves space on the disk. And also importantly, <laughs> all this, uh, all the data you have to read from disk needs to go through memory, needs to be processed. So it also slows down stuff. The more data bits you have to transfer, the slower it gets. So optimizing that is still very useful. And in NoSQL, the only way you can do that is by making multiple NoSQL databases. Uh, sometimes within certain solutions, you'll have one air quotes here database having different tables or collections underneath it all the times so they'll all be different databases it's all nomenclature basically you're again duplicating not just by denormalizing it but by actually making separate nosql database tables i'm going to call the table for every single use case you make and those tables will have the same data in them but in a slightly different form and that's yeah. also one way of really exploding your uh, uh the hardest footprint yeah, and the other thing that you mentioned there around the uh, the way that they're tip- the way that these environments are usually used is is quite important. So the one of the things about you know you don't typically want to update the data um, uh, in the traditional sense is one of the reasons why these systems are often used as sort of um, logging or eventing platforms within within systems uh, it just for that exact purpose because you can have something that very quickly writes in information when every single user visits a certain website or whatever it might be a visits a certain system it's very quick to add more rows to that particular table or whatever that allows you to spool out a lot of information very very quickly for a, a large environment and that's great because that's the that's the exact kind of data that you wouldn't typically want to edit that you would want to create very quickly mm. so that's a that's an, an example that fits into that kind of use case uh, specific kind yeah. of very well well log lines are immutable basically they'll log how the situation was and they shouldn't change because if they change you lose your logs that's not how it works it's a system of records yep. at that point i guess I all right. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, if you haven't uh, gotten this from what we're talking about, I've got written down here, thou shalt not join. And that should be written in very big calligraphy, gothic letters on the wall somewhere if you're doing NoSQL. If you're doing a join, you're doing it wrong. I know a lot of those uh, NoSQL servers out there say, yeah, we can do joins and we can optimize and do blah, 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 blah. Yes, you can. Typically at a horrendous cost both monetary and speed. And if you're going to need joins anyway, what the hell are you doing with NoSQL? Yep. <laughs> so that's a very big... Because I often see customers that say, okay, you want to have this use case where NoSQL really shine and it's really going to be useful and optimal and ideal. And that's perfect. Okay, let's do that. Great. And they also want to do this. <laughs> uh, put on the brakes, stop there. If, if yeah. ever you think I also want to do something else with it, you're going to hit a wall there. Yes, it's possible. It's feasible. You can make your life miserable. Have fun with it. But it's not how it's supposed to be used. If you're going to do a, I want to also do this, make a separate NoSQL data store to do that also thing. Don't try to do two use cases on one NoSQL table unless they're very, very, very similar. Yep. As in, they actually need exactly the same data in exactly the same representation. <laughs> yes, and the representation is actually a good one, because typically in NoSQL databases, uh, your keys will be a lot bigger than your values. 
because your key is actually how you're going to search for stuff. While in a normal SQL database, you will say, give me all records where ID is one and product name equals something like this and blah equals something else. You can't do that because that's all a, that's a compound statement and compound if test, if you like. No SQL, you will say, I want key equals that. Yeah. Which kind of means that your key will be a concatenation of different I'm going to call it values <laughs> yeah. to make it easy to find that one key, that one value connected to that key that you're looking for. So don't be surprised when you look at the NoSQL database. Typically, if you're looking at key value stores, specifically, you will have two columns, a key column and a volume column. If your value column is bigger than your key column, on a key value store, you're definitely doing it wrong. On a document store, it's different. It's dependent there. Yeah. Indeed. Nothing to, nothing to contradict there. <laughs> uh, some other things I've noted down here. Uh, we talked about that. Uh, oh, yeah, I, just, I said to do a, a single lookup. NoSQL databases are specifically well built to do single key value lookups. One key, get yeah. one value, do something with that. Additionally to that, once you've found that key, it's also easy to get the 10 next ones sequentially. So if you want to do mm -hmm. kind of a grouping and for time series, for example, that's very interesting. I want to have every log entry starting this morning at 8 a.m. for the next hour. That's perfect in NoSQL because you do one lookup for that first record and then you say, I want the rest of it too. So that's fine yep. too. But if you want to have all the log records starting at 8 p.m. that are a log, that are a log for application X and is an error, you can do that, but you'll have to make sure that your key actually has all those conditions in it and yeah. then you'll have a very specific NoSQL table built for that specific query. And that's not a bad thing. Quite often a NoSQL database is modeled specifically to answer a single query, as we've said a couple of times already. Yeah. Um, what you can't do is aggregations. Uh, you can get uh, maximum minimum values if that's how you store it. Uh, it's, it's organized that your the biggest one is, comes up first and the or the, or the slow, lowest ones comes up first, but getting an average, for instance, forget it. That will always mean a full table scan to, to calculate that. If you need something like this, don't go no SQL. Yep. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that you just you just can't do. I mean, the there is less. I mean, I wouldn't say necessarily intelligence, but there's less logic. There's less complexity stored in the database. A lot of um, databases you'd be expected to be able to just retrieve um, you know, table statistics and all those kind of things and be able to use those. Now, just don't expect that to be the case in a NoSQL um, environment. Um, there's, there's kind of a lot less of that, um, that sort of function available to you. Yeah, the whole thing about logic, I mean, uh, there's been a time in uh, in history where people tried to write entire programs inside the database where all the logic, the business logic was in the database table. Uh, Oracle got big on that one. I don't see that that often anymore, at least not in new things. Uh, in anything NoSQL, forget it. There are a couple of NoSQL databases that are able to get some kind of embedded logic functions, sort of procedures, kind of yeah. functionality in there. But again, if you're doing stuff like that, you're not going to be doing the typical key value lookup or sequential reads, and you'll probably not be using the database efficiently. 
All right, so that's what I had for the main differences. Now, I've got a bit of a, bit of a list here with uh, advantages and disadvantages, no sequel. So unless you have anything else on the more generic thing. No, not for you. So let's start with the negatives um, and quickly go over those because if we don't, we'll probably not mention the negatives. Um, you'll probably still need a SQL database. If you're doing a NoSQL thing, it's going to be a dump or an export of an existing SQL database, which is prepared for special use. You will still only have other use cases that probably need that same data. Not always, but quite often you'll have a SQL database standing by. So if you're starting NoSQL with the aim to replace SQL, probably not going to be the case. Yeah, probably. You will need to do a bit of education. Uh, SQL is universal, even though T-SQL and uh, H-SQL, there's some different variants, some dialects in there. It's all pretty much SQL. No SQL, you're probably going to be read, uh, learning a different language every time. They all have their own things because they're very made to measure. A graph DB will have a totally different way of even expressing your query than a document store, for example. Yep. Well, we talked about the database admin role not being there. Database admin roles did have a function, as in they were kind of the gatekeepers and made sure that the data at least was, you had to think about what you were doing before it actually got implemented, deployed into the database. With NoSQL, there's no such barrier. Could be a good thing, makes it faster. Also makes you kind of skip a step in thinking, perhaps. So make sure you don't fall into that little trap there. Yeah, I mean, you you will usually have someone who will be responsible for the the underlying system, but that's not quite the same. Yeah, that's just the infrastructure, the cluster management thing, but that's not the yeah, guy exactly. that looks at your schemas and stuff like that. Yep. So, yeah, apart from that, I didn't get that many disadvantages. I mean, you've mentioned a couple of them already before about how strict they are tied to a use case and stuff like that. We don't repeat all yep. that, but um, anything else negative you have? In a, uh... I, mean, I, I think the, the final point that you had was around the fact that yeah, every single one of these has its own language, its own APIs, its own way of working. Yeah, they, these aren't really a kind of drop-in, easy replacement uh, technology. Yeah, yeah, and even if that thing has a SQL port, you can talk SQL to us. Uh, Keith, keyword is this: you can. It's not you should. <laughs> well, and also it, that doesn't mean it will. Like you can talk SQL to lots of things. It doesn't necessarily mean that you'll be able to talk your brand of SQL to it. Most of them have some sort of SQL interface, but it has very limited um, sort of, uh, functions. Them to just check. Is, does my table create, did it work? Just do a quick select, yeah, it works. It's not a use case, it's yep. not a production query, it's just a, while I'm doing this, I may not have the new language in my head yet. Doing a select start from table, yeah, I get some response, okay, it actually it's there, it's worked, and that's about it. If you're doing a lot more than that, forget it. Yep. So moving on to advantages, uh, we've already had a couple, of course, uh, fast and high concurrence possible. So if you have a website out there that needs to hit a database for profile information, for product information, and you have a very high concurrency in there, you will be able to kill any kind of relational database out there unless they're very expensive and very large. No SQL can give you a lot better response times for a lot cheaper. That being said, uh, be careful again to make sure that you have a NoSQL use case. Um, if while I'm talking about money, if you're doing a NoSQL thing and it doesn't get cheaper, you're doing it wrong. You're trying to do 
joins, you're trying to query the database in a way it's not supposed to be, you're trying to cram a SQL approach in a NoSQL environment, and that always ends up being more expensive. So if you're doing it right, it should give you uh, monetary gains. Um, if you're not getting yep. cheaper results, then something's wrong, and take a look at how that is. Um, other advantage, flexible schema. Typical for North for SQL databases, if you have a schema in there, you need to make sure every column, every row is filled. NoSQL pretty much, especially for document stores, allows you to just skip stuff that's not in there. Every record doesn't have to be identical, which gives you a lot of flexibility, but you also need a, a programming language, a, a API interaction that allows for that kind of flexibility. So that's something to take in mind as well. Uh, one of the biggest advantages is the horizontal scalability. A lot of NoSQL data stores, and I would almost say all of them pretty much, have a cheap horizontal scalability aspect to them, which allows you to scale up your yep. data store as big as you want it to without breaking the bank and still getting good results on that Capterium guarantee thing that they've talked about in depth earlier. Um, anything else? Uh, feel free to jump in there. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the another point you've you've made here is the the fact that they are often used as some kind of fast caching layer. That that's a, a really good um, function that you'll find them sitting in the the overall data space. You'll see, you know, there'll be a SQL engine somewhere on the back end, uh, way deep down. That will on a on a regular basis generate a a dump of information that goes into a NoSQL environment that is read um, by some f- you know front facing you know web application or public application you know, mobile app whatever it could be um, that's 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 the thing that uh, is sort of hit hard and hit fast whereas the SQL engine may be the actually the source of truth. Um, uh, you know, but it's all the way back, never gets touched by the front-end app. Sorry, that was a very abrupt end of your sentence there. <laughs> well, that's all I had to say Well, that's that. all you have to say, then. <laughs> quick word about the future. Uh, I'm not going to do depth here, but it's, go- it's, it's here. It's going to be around for a long time, and it's a mature thing. It's not some beta, um, silly idea some scientist had. It's here to stay. It's going to be there. And it's actually finding its way into traditional SQL databases as well. Uh, when I was at Microsoft, I actually lived where the uh, Microsoft SQL database was getting more and more NoSQL things added to it, like columnar data stores in memory table and stuff like that. Um, it's there. It works. It's great. Now, after listening to this, should you use NoSQL? Well, for me, I th- I think if you maybe really, you know it because you have a problem you can't solve at SQL. If you have a problem and you can't yeah. solve it SQL, stay with SQL. You have a better life there. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think the the people do sort of have a number of I guess tricks that they do sometimes to uh make those those sort of systems behave somewhat more like SQL. But in in the most part, it's just not worth the effort. So, um, like a lot of these big data technologies, it's best to use them for the the function they were designed for, and not try and be the smartest person in the universe that mm-hmm. can use this thing in a way that it was not designed to do. Like they these are great systems for doing what they were designed for. They're not necessarily great for just being used as a sort of a general purpose. 
um, you know, storage and query solution. Yeah, 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 yeah. Also, if you're trying to save money and think I'm not going to pay expensive SQL license, I'll replace all my SQL by NoSQL and save a lot of money. Uh, saving money should never be your primary reason. It should have a use case specifically good for NoSQL. If it's just money saving, you will hate yourself in the long run. So don't do that. When you go for it, educate yourself, prepare to spend time and effort getting good at it because, as we said, they have their own APIs and their own stuff and uh, it's going to take some time and some money to get good at this thing. If you do, yeah, you will reap the benefits. Definitely, definitely. I mean, used used well and used for the kind of function that it was designed, it's an incredibly powerful technology. But with great power comes great responsibility <laughs> and, uh, and that there's no difference here. You need to make sure that this is the right fit for the particular use case that you've got, the particular niche that you're looking at. And on that bombshell... I think that is all the time we have for today. Um, you can support this podcast by becoming a Patreon. Every contribution helps. We're on YouTube, so uh, please uh, let's let's get us to that magic 100. Yeah. Uh, so like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, all the YouTubey things. Um, you can also go to www.roaringelephant.org uh, for a link to our Patreon page and for any inf- more information about this podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter using the at Hadoopcast tag and send your feedback to podcast at roaringelephant.org. Until then, my name is Dave. And my name is Joe. And we look forward to talking to you next week. Bye. See you then. Bye.